so we got Richard Turk on tonight. Uh, Richard played the cop, the chief, the police chief in the Montgomery film alongside Clark. Here's a clip from that. I saw one once. I'll take a while. No! No more rhyme! Climb up, Johnny! Or I'll hold you up in contempt. The name is not Johnny, you asswipe. It's Donald. My name is Donald. You look like a Johnny. Looks like a Johnny to me. Yeah, I don't care what I look like to you. Stop this pretending and drinking and get out! The people doing this podcast invented it. Tweet us at the podcast. We'll get this girl podcast up. Got a new guy. Last for you're listening to Montgomery here on Nerd.35, the podcast at thepodcast.pobby.com. Get out the juke joints, make sure you put that needle down in the old record player. And after you're done listening to War of the Worlds, listen to Montgomery, because last week we talked about all kinds of things. We had Bob Coons on, talking about uh, different political aspects. And uh, maybe this New Deal. We talked about the New Deal. We talked about Michael Biscardi We're going all over Europe. Thank God the, our GI brothers and sisters went over there to, 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 to free everyone from all that Nazi impression. And John talked about some sports, maybe some cricket. I remember I love sports. I was down at the Baker Bowl this last week watching the Philadelphia Athletics win another pennant. I don't know if that's true, but I do know what is true. I am now bleeding, and something itches down below. I guess protecting my cocoa interest in the South Pacific wasn't such a good idea. It's Montgomery on the Podcastle. Nerd about 35. I love it. You ever you ever do that on like a Sunday when you're like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not putting anything in the hair. I'm just going to let Lloyd Christmas take over. Yes. And it just falls dry and flat forward. And it's terrible. The next morning it looks worse. Yes. I hate that. I have to, I, I do that like soap and shampoo once a week because my hair is yeah. so damn dry anyway that like I need to the oils, the natural botanicals of my skin uh, oil, uh, you know, soften it up. And then when I do do it, it just is so dry and so unattractive. In a school podcast, so that is the world's worst, worst beach party song from Lost Season 1, original television soundtrack. <laughs> oh, got, yeah, uh, so you're getting into it. Yeah, man, I'm only three deep. Right, so only three deep, but I, only, I told you to oh, tell me who your favorite is after the fifth episode. Right, I've only scratched the boil. But uh, we got Rich Turk, Rich Turk, good friend of mine, famous director, directed yes. Visible Scars with Tom Sizemore and other great films with Danny Trejo and Montgomery he was in later on in the show. Uh, but I want to talk about Lost first, not the television show, but I want to talk about your brain matter after doing drugs for a lot of years. You get lost in a subway and then you end up crying. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's weird? I no. It. Bizarre. What's going on, man? Everything Thanks. good over there? Out, down there? Over there? To, to the right, to the uh, the testicle of the country. Everything's flaccid. I'm, I'm, I'm in the ass of the country. You're in the testicle. Um, right. Yesterday was one of those days when we went to brunch for Heather's stepdad. Went to a nice Jewish deli. You know, nothing big. A delicatessen. <clears throat> and uh, we 
and then and that was at like 10:30 in the morning. So then the rest of the day, I was like, oh, I'm scot free. You know, like Heather dead lives in New York, mine's you know in Philly, so I'm pretty much okay. done on Father's Day. So we get home, and I'm like, hmm, I guess I'm gonna like go to the beach. Heather's like, hey, um, you know, my stepdad's gonna come over and uh, fix the light on our porch. You know, we have this light on our porch that I know I just need to go back in and tighten a wire in the socket by the, you know, switch uh, yeah. to, to get it to work. So I know it's not a big project, so I'm just like not really in a rush to do it. Uh, Electrical work. But then that's already done. So he comes over and but they her mom and her stepdad come over around 630, you know, just getting ready to like eat dinner. And she tells me like half hour before they get there. Nice, nice. That's what that that's what happens. I, you know what? Not to crowbar this in, but I talked about that today with Jen. It's funny you're saying that. I had oh, a really? similar story. Yeah, but go on, go on. Come. Say, you know, well, yeah. It ended up not being too bad because, uh, like I mentioned uh, in Friday's show, I had some beer laying around. So I was like, "Hey, Bob, do you want a beer? Because I know this is going to take five minutes." And it did. And they ended up hanging out. We got pizza, had a couple beers, watched Seinfeld, yeah. or watched a couple episodes of Seinfeld. And, nice. Uh, and then, you know, they skedaddled out of here. And That's Justin, fun. Justin and I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning. Happy Father's Day. That's the way to be. That's the way to do it. Yes. Jen and I were talking about that earlier. Yeah. You and I spoke about that before where there's obligations to the fiancé or the wife's family you know like uh we're gonna yes. we have to do this grandma's dinners tonight we're doing this and once you, you, you never really want to go but you're going to because you love them anyway and it's fun but then once in a while you can use your like get out of jail free yes and i used that today because we were supposed to go to her mom's house for father's day and i was like i went to church early and i was cleaning and i had some stuff to do and then uh some stuff to we have the show tonight and i was like you know is it that big of a deal that I don't go? Mm-hmm. If it is, I'll go. Right. But, and she, I, I just went there last Sunday. I was there two weeks before, and then I went to the grandparents the weekend before that. So I put time. in my time. Right. Yeah, so, so it was like, no, you know what? He's not your dad. Paul doesn't even care, her stepdad. He's just like, he doesn't even want people in the house tonight at Sunday. He just wants to relax. Just wants to so, maybe see his daughter, not his daughter's fiance. Right, so White we got out of it. Fiance. I got out of it. She went there, and it was fine. She told him I had the runs, <laughs> and uh, the ultimate, the golden lie. We used your line. We used your line, and it's unbeatable. So, but yeah, you, you have to, you know, you you have that emotional bank account where you can show up here and there, and then once in a while I can cash out. Like I mentioned, Friday I stayed late because at four o'clock my boss sprung on like, let's edit some videos. Yes, <clears throat> and then it's like, okay, I'll remember that. WTI. WTI, the Work Tranquility Index. Or WPTI, Workplace. Oh, I like the dude. So it's good to do that, though, right? But it sounds like you were it, one of those times where it kind of works out anyway, where you're, you're going. Because nine times out of ten when I go to these family things, I end up having fun anyway because, you know, they're good right. people. Their dad's a fighter pilot. There's beers flowing. So it's like, oh. uh, what would I be doing anyway on a Sunday? I'm, like, talking <laughs> to Top Gun here. So I'm having fun anyway. Yeah. But then I, you have to use that once in a while. Right. And, and it's not even – it's never really terrible. It's just – the mental preparation you yes. that is necessary to get ready to, you know, host. Like you have to be somewhat on. Uh, and luckily, Justin's here, so he's like a good like distraction icebreaker kind of like straw that stirs the drink. 
so I can kind of bounce off. He's of a him. thickener of things. He's like an arty lad, you know. He's he's kind of there to like bounce an idea off when you know her parents probably won't even like understand what you're talking about. Right, but then but that works out. And you know what? The mental preparation says it all. Isn't that exhausting? Oh, and that's what I hate. That's why I get frustrated because a shot of keep. Is sends sent down my spine when I'm given this news that when I'm unprepared because yes. I just get frustrated because okay now I have about an hour to be energetic and be funny and be nice and be polite and social norms and all that horse crap social faux pas and, and idiosyncrasies and and um, and exclutations Bruce. and non sequiturs. Yeah, it's the mental Gosh. preparation. We got to talk about that for a second. You're very, it's the middle of the day, so it's too late to like really get up and do something else. You can like go out for a little bit, but you can't like go to the beach or anything. You can't go to Hollywood and get a Trejo's donut. You have to kind of wait, but then it's it cuts into the later evening where you're like you're not gonna meet up and go out really because you're gonna be tired and it's Sunday, so it kind of monopolizes the whole day. So you got to make the best of it, do what you can. Or bail out and play video game. Play Jaws Unleashed, which I just relaunched last night. I'm totally into it. John's phenomenal. It's from 2006, technology of the cutting edge. And not to uh, prematurely uh, ejaculate segue into the uh, Handmaid's Tale, but Ooh, that's what yeah. I wanted to do just because I was going to go to the beach, but it was rainy. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start that Handmaid's Tale thing now. And I yeah. got through the first two and a half episodes and then... Ding dong. Oh, Ding. And Justin was into it too. We were watching it together. And we were getting. Pumped. Oh yeah. We were like getting into it, even though it was really freaking dark, real yes. freaking dark. <laughs> it is uh, a bit ob- uh, oblique. But they they uh, they cut into that. Yeah, it happens, and then you're like, "Well, I, should I go to the bathroom now? Do I have time? Or are they going to be here in like five or ten minutes?" And they show up, and you're like. Well, I guess we're piling all this food on top of whatever else I had in there because let's turn it up. And when I started passing out the beers, Justin says to me, uh, we're going to need more because remember, there was only like eight beers left in that 12-pack and there was three beer. of us. So yeah, eight, you had eight beers left of the Miller Lite. For three of us. So I, he's like, we're going to need more. And I was like, yeah, it's offensive. Patience. Patience. What do you think I'm doing that for? So in two hours when we destroy this beer, we have an excuse to go get more. I was just going to say, that's your that's your alibi. We're all out. We're going to go get some more. Well, you know what, John? We're going to be taken off, actually. Oh. Oh. Well, what happened was we left to get more beer, came back, and I was like, hey, Bob, do you want another beer? And he's like, no, I'm good. I got to drive. And, Smart. But then Nancy says, I'll take a beer. I'm like, all right. You like fat tire? For some reason, I'm not sure she's going to be into Fat Tire. She drank about half of it, and then they got out of there. Fat Tire? Hell I just yeah. woke – I came in – I walked into work on Friday, and there was Fat Tires on my desk. What? And I was like, why are these here? And this intern came in and was like, did you get those beers I left? And I was like, yeah. She goes, okay, because I, I didn't know if you like beer or not, but somebody gave them to me, and I can't really drink them, so you can have them. And I was like, that's very cool of you. Thank you. Thank you for these beers. Yeah. So generous. Yes. So generous. Uh, 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 braggadocious. So um, uh, generous sigio, residuals, but you get paid in generosity, so they're generous residuals. A peace offering of brown nosing, ass kissing glory. 
Oh, the peace pipe was piped up to the chief, and the chief laid down his blessings. The red man singeth, cometh, and dwelleth. The fuck are we talking about? Twitters! Squirtle! At the Underscore Podcastle. We're going to be patching in Turk in about 20 minutes. Uh, you put together some great clips, man. The, the clips just keep get, getting better and better. Well, I mean, that's just, it's so fun, because at least in every five minutes, there's something that, you know. Uh, was funny or interesting or weird or stupid. This or guy, awesome. this guy Turk, I had no clue that he was a director. He's a director, yeah. Wow. And I thought he was, I mean, how much improv was he doing on that the Montgomery movie playing Chief? Oh, like uh, I'd probably say 60% was improv. We wrote the script out and then he would just kind of run with the lines. Like the McGoobery thing was all him and, oh, and all no that jazz. Way. And all that, and all that jazz. I thought for sure McGoobery was your, was your writing, was your pen. He was all McGoobery. I was just uh, uh, Montgomery. So did you say to him like, okay, when he says, when the doctor kind of like fake prescribes all three of you, like says that you all three have some sort of disease? And yeah, the guy got written up for stealing Vicodin twice, even though you would be fired and prosecuted for stealing those kind of drugs. But he's just like written up, like don't steal Vicodins. Don't steal Schedule 2 medicine anymore, but you're still working here. <laughs> and he's like, and uh, syphilis. And then the chief's like, that one's actually true. <laughs> that one's actually true. Yeah, <laughs> that one's actually true. You know, that so doctor's good. office in Montgomery was actually filmed at Dr. Boris Weissman's office, who is on the Keeping Up with the Kardashians a lot. Whenever they go get their prenatal checks, he's the always, that's his office. He's their doctor. I was wondering, because there's the scene where you're running through all the doors and running through all the hallways. And I was like, gosh, he was really allowed to run all over this hospital. It's pretty amazing. It was a doctor's office. And this guy was so trusting. He goes, <laughs> we asked, I asked him because he was my doctor and Jen's doctor. He was Jen's doctor for a long time. Uh-huh. And we asked like, hey, if we give you some money, can you let us just film here for like an hour. Right. Not only did he not take any money, he gave us the keys and we're like, just don't open up any files. And we had a whole doctor's office to ourselves for, for the entire Sunday. Oh and my gosh. I was like, wow, man, that's very trusting. That's a huge liability on your part to let strangers come in, like a crew of 20 people come in to your office. I know. You could go through the drawers and get prescription tabs, blank ones. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'd be looking for. If I thought of it then, I would have done it. That's what my uh, psychiatrist does, you know, where I go get the Adderalls. Yeah. And I would never steal. I would never steal, but I'll go in there and he's like, hey, I got to go process your check or something. Just go in the office and sit down and hang out. I got to use the restroom. And his scripts are just on the desk. And I was like, if I were were a man of less uh, uh, honorable character, I could just take these. And he probably, I mean, they're probably like... Uh, yeah, they're numbers. You know, yeah, right. Yeah. He would notice missing uh, briefs. Briefs. So we've got to talk about this new show Lost for a second here. It's a it's a brand it's a brand new show, Matthew Fox. Um, great Fox. things happening here. It's really spectacular. Why, why oh, is Michael why is Michael your favorite character? Well, the actor, his name is Harold Perrineau. Yes. He's actually in a lot of things. But he's my favorite because he was actually in Sons of Anarchy as David oh, Pope. Gosh. So clearly, clearly I like him. What off a the terrible send off no, to no, such kidding, a great build up character. Jax just walks in and shoots him. I was like, he's supposed to be the most dangerous man and the I most know. weird man. And, and, then, and, then, and then they kept Pope Industries, and the other guy's like, well, this might be a job for Marks Inc. It's like, enough with your like, LLCs. 
black guys from Oakland. Stop with the, the business thing. Yeah, if it's not for Pope Industries, then Marks Inc. might handle it. Stop it. Know, what are you, rap labels? Yeah, what are you? Is, is Hammer from, from the Bay coming down? Can't touch this? Should not. No. I like Harold Perrineau's character. His name is Michael in Michael, there, right? Michael Dawson and his son Walter Lloyd. I like that. And it's not because he was in there. One, is he is a great actor. I mean, he's in like yeah. a lot of shit. He's in, he's, a, he's Tibble. Mar- yeah. Marcuccio? He's Marcuccio and, yes. and Romeo Juliet. He's right. in uh, 28 Weeks Later. Ooh. He's in a lot of stuff. And, um, but I like that he's with a kid and he's trying to do the right thing. And he's oh. a little timid at first. And again, I'm only three episodes in, so he could be like an asshole in the next one for all I know. They do good character development. The great character development. And he's very, uh, when he like tries to ask the Chinese woman and the husband's like, no, oh, talk to me. Don't talk to him. And she's kind of like, all right, I'm sorry. Like he's keeping his guard up. I just be, oh, yeah. my, my favorite. He's just very, he could go either way at this point, which I like. Uh, he's not like the, the anti-hero or the hero right. or the drug addict right. trying to pick up his Vicodins in the toilet. Charlie Pace. Heroin. Yeah, what's, I don't know. Why, why would you ever throw that out? I don't know. Try to you clean, you'll find out. I'm not on heroin. You'll find out. Oh, I thought you were talking to me in real life. Like, you'll find <laughs> out, Matt, when you throw. I'm like, I'm not on heroin, John. You were a little too defensive there. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with me, all right? It's your fault. I'm not a drug addict. That's your television character. You have the problem, John. You have the problem. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can go. I can, look at me. I'm lifting weights. If I was on drugs, I couldn't do that. Look, I'm running. Look, I can whistle. I'm fine. So whistle. Um, but the uh, I, I noticed there is a lot of, well, not a lot, but there's some subtle Stephen King references, which I picked oh, up yeah. on because I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I noticed oh, yeah. there's some references from the Langoliers. This is only three episodes. There's some nods to the stand. Yeah. And there, he wrote a short story called Captain Trips, which the stand was based on. And there's some weird elements based on that. Not over the top, but mm-hmm. I, I'm going to put a, a, a rose out there and hope that someone bites it in the sense that some of the writers were probably Stephen King fans or they worked on Stephen King's work before because I definitely saw some, some nods. Um, I, th- I, I think there's actually like... 10 or, or even like 100 Stephen King references in Lost. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm excited to watch it, man. I'm probably going to finish it first season this week. I want to finish a season a week to, uh, to, to get up to, up, up to snuff so we can talk about more things on the show. It's your favorite show of all time, so I feel like I owe it to you to watch it. Yes. I think it's your favorite show of all time. Number one. It's in the books. Next to Silver Spoons. It's up there. Um, yeah, but I'm excited. I can't find it. But yeah, I mean, his books show up all the time. There's even a book club. And of course, the book they're reading is, uh, I think, Carrie. Uh, it, he's, he's the one that called the writers and said, you have to write this show like a book. Write the ending and end it. King? Stephen King, yes. He contacted that's, them. He's like, that's why he's the king. Is so loyal, but they're getting frustrated. There's no he's the king. Sight. He's the king. He's the man. Can you imagine? Dude, I Googled Stephen King. Pilot. Stephen King adaptations for 2018. There's like six. There's like three TV shows and two movies or something like that. For Stephen yeah. King. It's just. Oh, he, there's tons. They just, they don't need to write anything. They just wait for him. Yeah. That's all he has to do. Do you remember the second episode when they go into the fuselage of the plane and they go up to the cockpit and the pilot's still alive? Yes. First of all, Set the whole course. plane crashing thing is very scary. The visuals in the beginning. Big time. The, 
when the uh, I mean it's legitimately scary. It's everything you fear when you're flying an airplane, and the fact that they're still alive, uh, the the engines are still turning because it's a jet. They don't just shut off like a light bulb. They right. just turn forever because it's fueled, and the guy gets thr- sucked, sucked in there. And just just that those graphic images of people in their seats upside down and the fuselage and the, and the other broken part of the fuselage, the tailies yes. are in there, and it's very. Um, well, it's tail, very scary. The tail is on the other side of the island. The tail. Okay, Remember, so the people it, in the center. It, yeah. Right, 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 right. Broken. The people in the center that are still in like their seats that are like it's extremely scary. Yeah. But when they go to when they go to find the pilot, he has the black like radio. Right. What was that? Just his radio? Yeah, it was just his like uh, transceiver. And it didn't work. Thing. The right. transponder. Yes. And it didn't work. You know, the battery's like shot. That was a good scene, man, because you're like, it's right here. It's this close. We can just dial in something like Castaway as if it were a solar. By the way, do you know what was in the FedEx box in Castaway the director revealed? No. A waterproof satellite phone is what the director said. If he just opened the box, he could have called and been saved. But anyway, he put that the wow. transponder. He didn't, or the wow. transceiver, whatever it is. He didn't, uh, it didn't work. And you're like, it's this close. And it was kind of a creepy scene because he alluded to, well, you know, we couldn't have avoided this. And by the time we tried to radio in, we were a thousand miles off course from where we were. So they're looking in the wrong spot. Right. So that's like the thing where you're like, okay, they're not going to get caught, found anytime soon. Anytime soon. So what is special about where they are right now? And that's what begins to slowly unravel. And it's beautiful. And do you remember the girl who was like, well, I'll just eat on the rescue boat because they know where we are. Shannon, yes. I would have been that girl. I would have been like, dude, this is an airplane. They'll be here in like five minutes. I remember watching Lord of the Flies. You ever see Lord of the Flies or read the book? Yes. Well, in the remake of Lord of the Flies in 1992, the kids... yeah, I definitely picked up on the references on there too, right away. With Sawyer the, the even beast says the name of the book. Right. Yeah, the beast the is already time. is apparent. But in Lord of the Flies, I'm watching that and thinking, there's no way these kids would have been on this island for six. The Coast Guard would have had them in ten seconds. Like you don't lose a plane now unless it's underwater. They'll find you. They they search like every country gets involved in searches. Unless so it's I would have been that girl. In like a thousand pieces, they're gonna find right. You. <laughs> They're going to find it. So when, when that woman, what was her name? Sarah? Shannon. Shannon said that, Shannon. oh, I'll eat the boat. I would have been like, nah, it'd be fine. I'm not even going to eat this. You know what? I'm just going to take a nap because yeah. we'll be on a boat. But I'll be really curious to see where it goes, and I'll be curious to uh, I'll be excited to keep keep everyone updated on this 2006 show, and uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do it. So that's my piece. I'm going to henceforth and then ticket men fourth charge. I'm pretty excited, man. Like I've said a million times, it's the show that like got me back into television, and I see that show in all other TV shows. Like I see them using what worked in the oh, really? that no one else really did. Yeah, just the giant casts and and really figuring out how to make them all like make you connect with all of them. Like The Walking Dead. Right. Exactly. Game of Thrones. Yes. Thrones. <laughs> uh, uh, humans. Can you believe uh, Cosby? Mistrial. What does that mean now? He can't be charged again? He, he will be charged again. They'll do it right away. 
mistrial just means the jury, one person in this trial couldn't agree on a guilty, a not a guilty, and the other did guilty. Uh, so he was like, by definition, you have to be unanimously determined by your peers. So it's a mistrial, which means it just we're going to redo this new jury, new judge, and then they're going to probably start the proceedings within 120 days of, uh, of that decision. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know this for a fact, and I'm not saying their opinion is wrong or anything, but there was like one black guy on the jury. I'm going to guess it was him that was like, not guilty, it's Cosby. Ah. And that's a stereotype, and I'm not trying to go there, but I, I bet that in the next few days True. that's exactly what you'll see happens. Most likely. Because the, the, the evidence is, is overwhelmingly uh, in favor of a guilty verdict. I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. But here, there's yeah. like there, there's there's ashes of, of, of cities yeah. around. So, I mean, like sixty women. Maybe if it was like one or two, they'd be right. like, eh, maybe not. But this many, I mean, come on. No, it's he's just, not guilty. It's someone either right. He's he's a black guy and he just doesn't care, or he's um, just someone who loves Bill Cosby and is like that no, or that I too. Refuse to believe it. No, I watched Huxtable. Uh, he got me through some tough times. Bill Cosby was never funny. I mean, his early stand-up had some funny bits, but the show and all that, he was just a regular sitcom guy. I don't know if I'd say he's, like, one of the funniest comedians ever. He broke barriers for, for African-Americans back in the day. That's You can't argue that. Didn't, but, you know, didn't uh, already Pryor and all those guys break those barriers down? Well, he was, so like, before Pryor. Pryor opened, Pryor opened it wide. Bill Cosby's been around since the 60s. But I thought he didn't really... Get big into like the seventies or eighties. Yeah, he started, but he started opening the doors then. Okay. But but as far as leaving their mark on, I mean, nobody can touch Richard Pryor. I mean, right. he's the funniest comedian of all time. Yeah, easily. Agreed. Yeah, him and uh, Michael Richards. What? Right, and uh, yeah, Michael Richards. What else is going on, man? I'm sorry. I feel like I was Michael ranting a little Richards. bit about Lost and and all that jazz there. Well, I don't care how much you ran ran about Lost. I could go on. I could do an entire podcast about Lost only. Um, I wonder how many Lost podcasts there are. There's probably a hundred. I don't think there are really many. There was Spin one. Off. There was one that was gonna uh, that was done by the uh, the guy who plays Hurley, Jorge uh, Garcia. Yeah. yeah, he's a fat man. He is a large guy. He's, I like him. He's a vegan. I like when he talks to the Iraqi guy. He's like, oh, my friend was in the 104th. What were you in? I was in the Royal Iraqi Guard. Republican Guard. Oh. oh, you were on the other side. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, uh, the the black box. Yes. They were all worried about that. Yeah. What happens with that? You can reveal. Is that, does that mean anything or they, nothing really goes down? I can't remember. It's actually, you know, the black box is actually orange. I think, yeah, that is strange. Oh, ooh, wait a minute. Ah, uh, you have to wait what, for the black wait. box. All right. Yeah, oh my gosh, I forgot. I had to like think because it's not for a long time. You learn seasons. But the Cosby thing, are you, uh, are you, are you surprised at the verdict? Yes, but no. Okay. Gosh, I shouldn't have said that so convincingly. I, I'm, I'm. I'm surprised that I'm not surprised because I mean OJ Simpson got uh, you know acquitted. Right. So any this the jury system, this whole justice system is so stupid, 
to rely yeah. on 12 strangers, 12 schmucks. And there's like, whatever, a process to, to selecting these people. That obviously sucks. So right. it, it, obviously when some shocker happens like that, because I think it is shocking that he, he was, it was not 100% guilty. Yeah. But I'm not surprised th- because it's so possible these days with the stupid system. I agree with you. And I've served jury duty four times, and I can tell you, don't ever get arrested and go to court because they are not a jury of your peers. You have the stupidest people in the world there, okay? Because smart people don't have to go because they have an excuse to continue to work. Oh, you can get out of it? Yeah, you can just just say you're racist. So is there anything that would stop you from being in the jury? Yeah, I don't like black people. Okay, thank you, and please excuse and thank jury number number 32. Um, I didn't. I never did that because right. I don't. I don't want to lie to the system, and I kind of like being on a jury. It's like your civil duty, you know. Sure. It's like it's de- democracy at work. Sure. But oh my gosh, man! When I was on a jury the last time, it was an assault case, and some of the jurors were like, "Well, I don't think I can do it just because you know I don't." They kind of look like me, and I'm like, "That you need to listen to the facts." And I had to convince each juror to do a a, a guilty vote because they were going to do like some guilty, some not guilty, and I was like. We can't do this. So I started like convincing each one of them to do a guilty vote. And it was guilty. Yeah, and it was guilty. Ooh. And she was guilty. The person bashed someone on the face with a shoe mm. and broke their face open. I mean, it oh. was, I don't see how I can get around it. It was a And I was like, look, it's simplest thought. She's non offender. California jails are overpacked. Not going to go to jail for it. She'll probably get probation and a large fine and be on uh, probation for like three years right. and do community service. So don't, because they were like, I feel bad. And I'm like, it was a bullshit case. The girl was actually fine. It was like some girls fighting at a party and it's someone called the cops. So you have to file assault charges. So I was just pissed off that we're there because I'm like, right. I'm missing for this. So we had to convince them. But, um, it's like, let's but get yeah, this person to just behave. Let's just do that. But yeah, the, the Cosby thing, I thought it was going to be a not guilty. Um, Whoa. Like, they, they just wouldn't convince Huxtable, uh, you know, it's Bill Cosby right. because of what you said, the OJ thing. Right. OJ clearly did it, but they're like, it's the juice. So I was right. like, yeah, it's this Bill Cosby. It's this picture page. Let him go. Mm, I just think nowadays, with the way, I mean, you can't screw up now like a man Not, no, taking no, you're right. taking advantage of women like if you do that you you should be uh punished big time of and, course and you are now to such a good level it's probably getting closer yeah. and closer to being you know worth it uh, absolutely or you know like even so i i just thought is he screwed and he's he's 80 he's blind he's just like Gonna wither away in jail. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Jimmy uh, Snuka. Superfly. Yeah, what? remember he was like, they're pretty much like, ah, he's guilty, but judge is like, he's gonna die like any day now. Oh, We're gonna let yeah. him go, and then he died like two days later. Did what did he do? He like drunk, he like killed somebody in a car accident. No, he killed his ex girlfriend in the eighties. He like threw it on the stairs. Oh yeah, in like Allentown, Allentown. You want to take a quick break and come back with the Allentown can cause anybody to throw someone down the steps. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go. I'll take a quick juicer. And uh, we'll be back after these words. Jeffrey, what's going on?
going on here? Summon security! Oh, yeah, I guess Dr. Grant. Don't push that button, Jeffrey. The next thing you'll be pushing up are daisies. Is that a real gun? What is that? A cap gun? Give it to me. Ah! A cap gun? The only thing this gun is capping is a hole in your bouvier. All I need in this life to say is me and my girlfriend. Again, the Native Americans. Where the red man come, where the red man cometh, the red man hummeth, the red man drum. What makes the red man What makes the red man Yo. How. How. Yeah, what was how? how? What did how mean? Like, hello? I think it was high. Mm. How. <laughs> how. How? What did the Indian say to the guy that said he came twice in his pants? How? <laughs> Tweet us. Squeet up. At the end of school podcast, we're going to bring Rich Turk in a second. If you don't know Rich, I'm going to cue up a clip here from uh, Montgomery that John was so um, credible put together earlier. <sighs> I, I listened to the first half, and it, it sounds strange. It's not, like, really bad, but it's just a little weird. It's the effect we were going for. Yeah, right. Like we, we were just wanted to do a little. It was some art. There was some some poetry slams at an art house in Silver Lake. A few light slams. And that's what's kind of happening. Are your kids well behaved, or do they need a few light slams every now and again? <laughs> Doubtfire. Socialists in Russia have officially kicked off. <laughs> well, I didn't know breadline waiting was officially a sport. Cut. This is just Montgomery. I, I think I just saw you take my... I picked the wrong clip, but I was going to roll with it because it's Montgomery and it's great. <laughs> hey, yo, yo. You're about to listen to a brand new episode of Nerd 35 from the podcast. You're already listening to it. <laughs> Richie played the chief in a Montgomery film. Excellent character with a cardboard desk around his neck. Uh, here's a clip. I can't speak for the rest of them. I love the cops, song. I love it now we were doing the commercial the other day. It's like uh, part of the script was like, I guess I better take that job from Live Web Media. Well, who should we call to make money? Live Web Media, who apparently I'm working for now. Uh, an, intern. <laughs> an intern. An intern. Corporate fucked up. So uh, you want to bring on Rich Turk? Yeah, team? man. Bring him on. You have some questions? I have some questions. Slash him up. He's Rich Turk of Ogma Films, and he's directed some great films in the past, such as Visible Scars, uh, producing on um, various films? films. Visible Scars was uh, one of his directorial um, pieces. He also has a film called hey. Watch This it's Out, and uh, we're going to let him talk about it because he's on the air right now. Rich Turk, what's no going Turk. on? Welcome to the podcast. What's sir. going on, fellas? Cats in season. Cats in season. Cats always in season. We have the Thank chief joining us. The chief. <laughs> Tonight's show sponsored by Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. 
Rich, we were just praising your accolades, sir. I was about to talk about Watch This, your new film that oh. you have uh, been pioneering around the country in various film festivals called Watch This. What's it about? Yes, I, yes, I do. And um, we have it coming up in uh, July 6th over mm. at um, Dallas, Very Texas cool. at the Family and Faith uh, Film Festival. Very excited about that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show, man. We it's a long time coming. We're very excited to have right. you. You should talk about how we met. How did you I guys do want meet? To get into All right. So slice me. Years back, I wrote this film called Montgomery. And Classic. my fiance Jen said, No, that's been done before. My friend Rich did that. I said, what? It's like yeah, Rich Turk. He's he's Josh, her brother in law. It's like his best friend, and he, he did, like, the same thing. I said, i got to meet this guy. He created I, a character who thought he was stuck in the 1930s, or, I mean, pretended. I did. What? Yeah, exactly. yeah we, we both happened to do very similar type of um, movie, but then I told it, and then we met, and we talked about our similar ideas, our films. Then I said, well, there's a guy who did it uh, – did a really good job with a feature called Man of the Century, and I told you about that. Yes, and I was turned on for life, both from your demeanor, because I'm a little hone I want to see you, but also from this film, Man of the Century, uh, Gibson Fraser's in it. I think it's 1999, and um, it's a similar piece, and you tell me about that. So it's like this, and ironically, I'm friends with him now, like on Facebook and stuff, like we'll talk. So this whole thing came full circle of these guys what? doing these films back from, like, people that think they're from the 30s. It's really what? interesting stuff. Right. It was, it was really weird. Yeah, what would a right. shrink have to say about that? <laughs> what, what does this picture look like to you? A flaccid man making pancakes? Making it's just rye. a bunch of black dots. Making rye. And did this so, idea just pop in your head? Or, like, what got you to that idea? Um, um, uh, I was that, I don't know, something about the 1930s. It's, um, it, you know, in the movies, it was such fantasy and it's about opulence and about, you know, fantasy of like, you know, uh, you know, people doing well, which during that time is depression and people were not doing well at all. Yeah. It was a depressing time. Escapism. And it was such. Uh, people were going to movies all the time during that time, so um, oh, yeah. it, it was it was just kind of a fascinating period, and I think both um, Matt and I are, are characters. Although mine mine's kind of like mentally deranged, of the where corporate. where I think Matt is they're more like you know don't want to grow up, and it's more like playing and they're like drinking, and, uh, yeah, you know, all this stuff, kind of stuff. Peter right. Pan syndrome, Peter Pan syndrome kind of stuff. Where my character. Uh, uh, was, you know, got to the point where he, he actually thought he was in that time period and, you know, it's present day and he would have all his furniture and buy all his furniture from the 30s and then stay in his one bedroom apartment and actually think he's from that period because he, can, he can't uh, uh, deal with the outside world. So was, was it a drama or was it a comedy? It, <laughs> mine was more of a drama. Oh. It was more of a drama. Yeah, it was called 1936, uh, um, and 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 he would film. like literally take furniture, and he, it was 
it was like a backstory because it was originally written as a feature and then there was a backstory of of um oh he was a grandfather and they would show him all all these 19 movies and that kind of thing and then um and then they passed away and they really freaked out so then he got a one apartment and then starting because because of those movies and everything he wanted to be the Fred Astaire because he, he was into like song and dance oh. you know so he was like want to be the Fred Astaire and all that stuff and it's a really great film too it's very well shot and it's almost sad at the end I won't give anything away but you kind of feel no a little bit more of a connection to this guy than you would maybe to Montgomery where you're like well he's just like a loser that's playing dresses up with his friends whereas in your film 1936 uh, which I think is still one of my favorites. Really, he, 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 you really connect to him in the sense that you kind of root for him. Damn it! 1936. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I should have done some show. Prep. And then, uh, Rich, I, I know you probably get asked this question a lot in interviews, but what are you wearing right now? No, the uh, you did a film called Visible Scars. Yes. Which I'm a big fan of, and this is with uh, Tom, Tom Sizemore, and. Um, uh, Jillian Murray. Jillian Murray, who we at something at your house, you were filming like a actor's commentary thing, and I, I think I was there like helping out with, with uh, yeah, I think I was helping out with like ice cubes or something like that. Coffee. I was like keeping the coffee warm. Yeah, and um, keeping it fresh. She was she was great to interview with. You asked great questions. Just uh, extremely attractive well-spoken, just great actors. But that whole ensemble that you have in this film, Visible Scars, um, was just incredible. Let me ask you this as a director. Thank you. Working with these yes. people, was it very challenging or did everything kind of gel nicely and it was was an easy kind of film to shoot? Um, it, it, no, it wasn't an easy shoot. It was, um, yeah. Well, the, the difference between my latest film and, and then doing like Visible Scars was we had no rehearsals. So, oh, really? When actors, yeah, when the actors came on the set, um, we, we pretty much did a, uh, you know, we pretty just rehearse it right there, and then, um, and then Jacques Haken, who's our DP, our camera guy, who did the original Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Ooh. with our DP, and then he would come over, and then he would like, uh, we would do the rehearsal, and then we would plan out the shots. And then um, as soon as they got makeup and then we'd go over the script and we'd try to enhance the script with the actors and then we'd shoot it. It was just like that at all times. Um, so, um, but working with um, uh, like, you know, Billy Murray's blowing up on Code Black right now. And then, um, and of course, Tom Sizemore, we know him from Heat and Saving Private Ryan. Um, he, I and learned a Pearl lot from him because uh, the character and Pearl Harbor, of course. Uh, I learned a great deal from him because he, uh, um, um, he, the character that was written for him was like a serial killer, and he was very nasty and very mean. And and then um, I wrote it almost like one dimensional kind of. And then he just kind of looked at me. He was just like, "What is this? And do we really need all this?" And then he was so questioning. What he did, which was, huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dick. And then what was really nice is he put uh, <laughs> yeah. what a he, dick. he put like an element of uh, of like niceness and a sweetness to his wife, which he's nasty too. And it made it more creepier. And it 
it really enhanced, I felt like, the character and the, I had a ah. better understanding what he was doing through that process because, you know, you know, even like a nasty person would have some humanity and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. This is like, uh, um, you know, even like the nice person, like Ooh. a good, you know, the hero would have some elements of gray or something like that. So, you know, it, it just it worked out. And I learned a great deal. From so he that. was in a bad you mood know? and maybe you were directing a scene or whatnot. Sizemore would say like, was this necessary? Did he just kind of want to get through it quickly without really putting work into it? Or was he just kind of a... Was he the kid that always man. raised his hand too much in class? Oh, those guys. <laughs> you want to slap. I have a question. Why, why do you need this kind of light here? Why don't you shut up? Because we're paying you That's do what, what I say. I want. Well, he was like, I think he admired Jacques Aiken, you know, because he was Craven and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, he talked to him a lot with, like, the lighting. So he felt like he was in good hands. Um, as for... Oh, right. Uh, you had good, uh, good, good peeps on that set. Good right. And as working with him, and, you know... Um, he was really good with the actors and, um, and, uh, you know, he listened him and I, uh, um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I learned a great deal from him and, and, um, yeah. And he was only there for like four days. So we had him, it was, he's in like the first 30 minutes of the movie. Right. No, no. And that, those are probably some interesting stories. I'm sure you've gathered from this size more. But let me segue to this. You you've done a, you've done a cartoon, sort of a secret agent slash superhero kind of cool crime stopper called the Hugnapper. Um, and I love the theme song to this because it sounds very James Bond esque, and I just think it's amazing. Uh, the Hugnapper. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And will it ever? Um, Continue its journey. Hugnapper, uh, in as in kidnapper. Uh, yeah, like hugnapper. Right. No, hugnapper. Right. Hugnapper is. Uh, you can watch him on Funny or Die right now. Um, but hugnapper is a superhero that believes in his superpowers hugging people, and by hugging people, it diffuses their anger. Oh yeah. And um, he he actually believes this. But um, because he's a very repressed guy, so uh, um, <laughs> and there's an origin story about how he hugged for the first time because his parents were very repressed, and um, he hugged this girl, and he had these feelings, and he kind of mistakes his feelings as superpowers and that kind of thing. Oh. But it's a comedy. It's a comedy, and then he has like kind like of it. like. Uh, uh, um, kind of mismatch of superheroes but they're basically guys in their pajamas that you know want to uh, play superhero kind of thing kind of, kind of 1936 esque. it is kind of well kind of actually mcgovery mcgovery esque to go it, but to, it to do visible scars a violent uh murderous thriller um, to yeah. do something like uh, Hugnapper, a superhero that believes that hugs can defuse the situation <laughs> it just really shows a great range I think that's a great idea. You want to hear the you want to hear the theme song to Hugnapper, John? Yes, please. Now. Call me the Hugnapper. It's like a throwback to black exploitation films. 
Is it, is, it is, that hug, that? is it hug nabber or napper? It's hug napper. Napper. Hmm. Like like uh he steals we're taking a nap. Naps or uh hugs? Like is it yes, yes. He steals hugs. He covets them. He covets. Yeah. He covets, covets them. Thy yeah. Hug. And, and actually in that song, that theme song, uh which I worked with um Matt Hassel and Bob Holmes. And uh, basically, mm. what we try to use is the uh, the Wonder Woman theme song. That's kind of like the influence. So. Uh, oh, inspired that blockbuster. Yeah, it did yeah. not. Yeah, not the, the the old the TV show one. You you really are great. Uh, I mean, on top of your amazing directorial skills and writing, and obviously, I know you have a lot of things in development, which I'd love you to touch on. But your animation too is very very good. You did a, a film I remember called Food for Thought uh, about these cartoon grapes that live in this thing that's really funny and kind of sad at certain parts, and it really touches the soul. Really? Are you going to do more animation soon? Yeah, great like animation. Cartoon. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I love the Right. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I originally went to animation school. I went to Cal Arts, which is up in Boston. Ah. And yeah. um, uh, graduated there, you know, thinking I was going to do animation. But uh, I did a few yeah. films that got into, like, Man Over the Hill and then Food for Thought and um, they got the AFI and Slam Dance. But um, but then later on, I just kind of segued to live action. Um, but but um, animation, I would love to do animation because I do feel that you know you could explore a lot more with animation. You know, oh, yeah. the world is your oyster. Yeah. You can do anything you fun. want. Right, right. You can just draw it and just be like, oh, there it is, kind of thing. It's fun. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's mostly. Uh, deal pre-production is the big thing with animation because you have to get as soon as the animate it gets to the animator you have to plan out everything like the storyboards and you know the, the audio right. the, the voice has to be done and that's the bulk of the work is and it's expensive um it's it's time consuming more than expensive it takes longer uh, than live action because it's just it's very very time consuming. he's rolling the cells right who was the most difficult person you've ever worked with Besides myself, <laughs> no, uh, sweetheart. Uh, Actor-wise, yeah. Can you say? Uh, I don't know if I can say it. All right. All right. Let me ask. But, let me throw this out. I don't let me, know. I'm a, what? Let me throw out three names for you, and you tell me if one of them is it, and you don't have to say the person, so you have plausible deniability. Jillian <laughs> okay. Murray, Matt Clark, Tom Sizemore. Is one of those three uh, most difficult you've worked with? Oh man, you put me on the spot. All right, man. another question: Who was the hottest actress you ever worked with? Uh, Jillian Murray. There you Ooh. go. Gorgeous. Oh my god. Who uh, came uh, up wait, with I the chief the... character? That's what needs What's to that? be answered. The chief character in the Montgomery films. Did you come up with that? No, that's Clark all. Jones. That's all Matt Clark's creation. <laughs> yeah, having a chief. I just I started like ad lib and caught, kept mispronouncing his name because I think the chief. Is kind of like in his own world, and he keeps mis- mispronouncing 
Montgomery's name, yeah. Goobery, and you know, he wears women's underwear. And, uh, <laughs> but you created that character. I mean, really, <laughs> the, the, the name, the character cool. chief, we we wrote down on paper. I created, but you really created that, the depth of that character and how funny yeah. it was. You know, with the just all the references because you had an arsenal of these '30s references and you were a big advisor with, well, you should do this and you should do this because you did it in 1936 and you know. You know that error, and you and I would get together and watch these old '30s right. movies, like uh, right. '30s and '40s. Like we'd watch the the C- Sierra Madre film with Humphrey Bogart, and uh, you told me to, you gave me you would give me these homework assignments, and you're like, you need to watch <laughs> Rebecca and um, the uh, what was the this one? The the 40s. The what was the like painting it. one of the? Uh, it slipped my mind, but the the, the painting is haunted. Uh, Dorian oh, Gray. Oh, 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 Gray. Yeah, you give me these homework assignments that t- to watch like ten films a month from this era from Montgomery, and I did, and, and you, it really helped out. So uh, nobody knows the film better than you do. Because nobody well, knows why? film like Rich Turk. Okay, is the best. Is that is that why is that why you have me play the chief because of 1936? Uh, well, I, I thought the chief would be great because you're you're a great actor, but you you had such good references. Yeah, you knew. You knew shit. It would have been deliverable like no other when he did it. In the scene when they're it trying to great. escape from the uh, the hospital and the chief can't like fit through the door again because of his, <laughs> his neck desk, uh, the doctor so that's standing behind him he goes, you're wearing women's underwear. And he goes, I'm a sick man. <laughs> I'm a sick man. You're wearing women's panties. I'm a sick man. And then the chief disappears from there which means he just went somewhere else right <laughs> you don't see where he goes i i was like where the heck did he end up so good the continuation oh, well, I, must I have a i have a question i have a question because one thing i thought you did brilliantly was the desk that cardboard desk that he wears yeah how'd you oh, come up right. with that idea that was actually a, a buddy's idea he goes you should have the chief Wear like a cardboard box, and that's his desk with like a pen to it, you know, because you guys are all make believe. Yeah, and I was right. like, it's a great idea. So, you know, if you've seen the, the, the short Montgomery, the chief has a desk of a cardboard box, and it's got like a pen attached to it and a coffee mug. And we broke like three coffee mugs one of those days because <laughs> it, cause it well, was so hot. The coffee hot. mug was, was heavier than the box itself. It was heavier right. than the right. box. Right. It was 100 degrees, so the tape and glue kept melting. <laughs> so we tape? actually literally kept breaking glasses. <laughs> Couldn't right, get like a coffee right. cup. It's so good. It's so good. Um, there will be a sequel. I just I loved uh, when you get arrested for like screwing up another bust, and right. Montgomery just keeps yelling, "Kiss me, Chief! Kiss me!" Yeah, why does he want to kiss him all of a sudden? Give me a kiss, <laughs> Chief! Give me a kiss. It'll make me feel better. Yeah, there's some really heterosexual. Uh, I really, uh, I dug deep. To it. I dug deep into that that film right. this afternoon. Oh, Rich, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I like I, I I like it when um, he's like, "Don't you work at Burger King and stuff?" He goes, "No, I work at Carl's Jr." Yeah, yeah. Don't don't you work at oh, Burger King? <laughs> it's Carl's Jr. Yeah. As if like, well, hey, it's I, like he's all offended that you yeah. right. Know, well, Please. I would never. I'm not Burger a peasant King. that would work at Burger King. I'm not Carlos right. an elitist. Now, Rich, your new film. Uh, watch this. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little about this? Because in today's day and age, with a lot of things going on with racial undertones and a lot of things happening in the media, this sort 
so to speak, on a lot of different levels. And can you tell us a little bit uh, about what the film Watch This is about? Yeah. Well, uh, Watch We just took it for a 180. You're like, <laughs> let's talk about women. You're like, tell us about black people being oppressed today. You're like, oh. Uh, well, Watch This, it, it, it doesn't really, I mean, it could be any race, really. It right. just happened. Um, that one day I was on the bus, I saw a a woman who was a bus driver, and she was really kind of down and out, and hated her. Looked like she hated her job and everything. Then all of a sudden, a teenager girl came over and started talking to her, just randomly talking to her, and it just made her feel good. And she didn't know the the teenage girl or anything, and and it was in the whole that kind of like the germ of it and the whole thing was just about how uh strangers how they impact your life without really kind of realizing it and um and the story of watch this is basically about an um an old man who watches a lot of tv that's all he does is just watches this gun smoke and those old you know uh, yeah john wayne movies and stuff dustin diamond <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, but he watched a lot of TV, um, and because he's trying to cope the loss of his wife, so it's like the TV, uh, like a drug to him, and the TV breaks down, and oh shit, and and then he doesn't know what to do, and he has to face kind of the real world, and then he takes this journey outside for like the first time in a long time. Oh. And he sees a girl that reminds him of his wife because his wife passed away. And that's the reason why I watch a lot of TV. And then they have a conversation in a uh, beauty shop because he follows all the way to the beauty shop. And it's kind of creepy, like this old guy following this young girl. Yeah. Ooh. And then they have a conversation about, about her oh, dealing with her, her, her boyfriend and that she wants to marry and stuff. And then they, he just kind of talks about his wife and it's kind of like a healing process for him and it's kind of like knowledge for her. So it's about, it's, it still goes with both strangers, how strangers mean, how they impact you know, each other's lives. And they probably never see each other again, but it's kind of like goes on that note, but it's, it's done well. It's gotten a, a lot of festivals and it's yeah. uh, won awards and stuff. So, but it's called watch wow. this. It stars Harrison page, which, uh, He's like uh, been in so many TV series. He's in the seventies, and he started off with Roger Ebert's um, "Beyond the Valley of the Dolls" with Russ Myers. To uh, he played uh, Sledgehammer in the eighties. Sledgehammer. He was Sledgehammer. Yeah, great show. Oh, I love that show. Right? You do? Yeah. The, the gun on the show. pillow. <laughs> that is a good show. That's up there with T.J. Hooker. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, he also did um, um, Van Damme, a movie called Lionheart. Which was I think I remember that one. Van Damme, yeah. But great actor, great actor. And he just brought that character to life. And, and, then, um, and then his daughter, the woman who plays daughter, Leslie, did it. You know, it's, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was good. He did a good job on it. It's a great film. Speaking of did the you set, cry? Did you cry, Matt? I did get, get misty-eyed. There was a bit of condensation in my right. irises. Right. And uh, it was really good. And speaking of the 80s and other past films, let me ask you this, Rich. As a, as a guy that knows film, I mean, we're going to get to party time later. But as a guy that, 
as a guy that knows film. By the way, Party Time is maybe one of the best films ever. It's a black, it's an African-American snuff film Ooh. called Party Time, spelled T-Y-M-E. Uh, of and course. Rich and I are huge fans of this film. But just just, just Google Party Time yeah. film, spelled T-Y-M-E at home, and you'll thank me later for oh, bringing you this into remember all this stuff, man. You I, fun. I just love it. But speaking of other errors, what do you, as all a right. famed director who knows films and have done it, what do you think the best decade for filmmaking or films uh were of all time you know that that is a really good question i don't say the 20s i'm not gonna say the 20s or 30s uh i think each decade had its um you know it, it had its signature had something special unique with it my personally favorite is probably the 70s okay uh, that's kind of like the new golden age you know, the, you know, they say the 30s is the golden age and then the 70s because it, it had this kind of grittiness and, you know, you had like Apocalypse Now and Godfather movies. and Dog, then, Dog Day uh, Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. They did that. Hal Ashby, which I, I, he's my favorite director. So like, Watership uh, Down. Yeah. Star so, Wars. I mean, I like that. Star Wars. Rocky. Yeah. Jaws. Jaws. Rocky. Yeah. Um, and then rock oh yeah so it just it had it had like a grittiness it had like a, 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 almost like a real kind of grittiness quality in those kind of film chinatown and and you know the in the 80s was um i love the movies of the 80s too and in the, in the 90s you had that that new surface of new yeah like, it was like the indie filmmakers con like, air you know Pulp like, Fiction. God, 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 I just you think Michael Bay, Bay the Rock there, uh, bud? Oh, The Rock is one of the best. Yeah, I like The Rock. Face Off. It's his only film that has a positive Face rating. Face Off, man, that's I love Face Off. I'm Caster Troy. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what would you, what would it be for you guys? That's a good point. For me, the '70s, absolutely, because of The yeah. Godfather and Jaws. It was the it was the beginning of the blockbuster. You had right. the you had the technology was a little bit more advanced, but they still had to rely on ex- real explosives and not CGI. Right, I think the seventies and early eighties, yeah, every everything from The Godfather to Raiders of the Lost Ark was oh, a really yeah, special yeah. time for filmmaking. Right. They used what you saw was real, not that today isn't, but what but a lot of times it isn't, and what you saw was real. And I think for for me that was the seventies were the were the best decade for films. Star Wars, Godfather, Jaws. I mean, it was just. Everything was right. so exciting and, and, and sexual. But you know what? You know what? But you know what sucked about the seventies is is like is like kids' films. They were because every it was all grown up films. It was all like yeah, it, yeah. It there were more, no like, Disney films in horror, the seventies. There's no kid films. Oh yeah. yeah, that was all like in the that was all like in the late eighties and early nineties, like when the new uh, uh, the new Disney the Renaissance. Like, the new Disney, re- the second Disney Renaissance. Think about like that. that. Walt Disney died in 1965. The Jungle Book came out that year. Right. You really didn't see another movie until The Little Mermaid. You had The Rescuers, but other than that, there really that. wasn't a. There was Robin Hood, Cinderella? but there really wasn't a. Nah, Cinderella was no, the early Cinderella 60s, like 50s, 50s, 56 or something. Yeah. Oh, wow. There, there wasn't really a Disney cartoon since he died till like Little Mermaid right. in '89. And then but, the explosion. And yeah. the explosion. 
Rich, you're you're a big uh, Burbank fan. Maybe you're not. I just like to segue that in. <laughs> Rich loves Burbank. He just hangs out Burbank all the time. <laughs> what do you What do you think about Disney? They've purchased Marvel. They own Star Wars. Right. They own oh, the yeah. world. They own ESPN. Right. They own everything. Have you guys it... seen Wonder Woman? Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of that? I want to see it. I, heard it I haven't good. seen it. It's good. Is it good? Yeah. Don't go into it thinking it's going to be the best superhero movie you've ever seen. And then you'll right. be extremely, uh, I think you'll just be really impressed. Okay. It's like. It's it's definitely better than Superman versus Batman. Right? Yes. Holy hell I wasn't yes. a big fan of it. Okay, yes. good. Who's your favorite superhero, uh, Rich? Uh, it's Superman. Superman? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the new Superman. He's too brooding for me. He's too, like, emo for me. Yeah, but, Henry. But I, I like so I like I like Christopher Reeve Superman. Oh, Jim, yeah, the best. Yeah. Well, you know, in high because, school, I wish I wish they did that Superman or Batman, that kind of Superman, because he's so like truth and justice American way, and Batman's not. That would have been a better contrast than having brooding Superman and brooding Batman. You know yeah. what I mean? It was right. Double dark. It was yeah, double dark. Double, it was double dark. They should have had the light. That been. They could probably have more humor and, and more like more character if they did. Well, Panaz, real Superman, you know, those, uh... that'd be more fun. Yeah, the ladies in high school used to call me Superman in bed. Did they? Why do they call you Superman? Because I was so damn fast. Wait a second. Uh... Wait a second. Wait, that's not good. That's <laughs> premature. Wait, a, that's not. No, that wasn't a compliment. Actually, that was an insult because it was fast and it was like thirty seconds. No, no, yeah, never mind. We'll, we'll edit that oh, out. Lord. No, but but uh, but when you when you look at Disney and, and everything they're doing, though, do you think it's too much? Do you think they own too much, Rich, or do you just want to keep that mouse machine rolling and just keep bumping them out? And uh, I'll tell you why I ask you that. Okay. The film industry, as Spielberg and a lot of others say, is about to implode. You know, yes. either it has to be a four hundred million dollar blockbuster, or it's going to go to HBO. Do you think that's a good model that they're following, or Netflix. do you think that films will always be around and that people are just getting their panties in a twist tie? Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, let's face it, man. Uh, uh, TV's where it's at. I mean, yeah, you know, TV's getting more. I mean, you could do a lot more because you're more episodic. You get more into the characters. You could like, it's it's not you're not in the two hour you know right. half, hour and a half two hour limit. I mean, it's it's. And if I you want to do, if you want to continue the story, the audience has to wait like a year and a half, at the, at the right. least, for the sequel. Right, right. Films need to do something because, I mean, you know, with all the blockbusters, it's getting so saturated. I mean, look at all the movies that came out with like, was it like they had three or four blockbusters that came out over the summer, and no one went to go like the Mummy, and there was a uh, uh, God. There's another one that bombed too. Oh yeah, the there's like three or four like black. Yeah, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Bomb. Pirates of the Caribbean was another one. Flopped. Was that a bomb? That was a bomb. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it didn't yeah, hit it the didn't number they were expecting. Oh. Right. I think it's gaining actually. <laughs> Did you guys see that one? No. No, but I want to now that you brought it up. I like uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Higher. Do you think people have had enough of Johnny Depp and his whole? character thing with uh let's put on weird costumes and get back to donnie brasco or do you think i think you should I, just you keep know, going I think, I think yeah i think he's doing this 
kind of the same thing. I yeah. think he needs to kind of go back to serious acting mode and then do like it. Like you, that's a good one. Like a Donnie Brasco or, you know, he needs to mix it up. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I th- I, I, yeah. I think when Lone Ranger came out, it was kind of the, the tipping point of, all right, he's doing like Alice in Wonderland and the pirates and this. Like right. every year. Right. He needs to get, he, he's cause he's a great actor. He needs yeah, to go yeah. back to like a Donnie Brasco film or, an astronaut's wife. He's in that movie, the the train, Murder on the Orient Express, with like a million Ooh. famous people. Oh, oh wow, okay. There's so but many. The he... cast is crazy. Obviously, it's right. a remake. Yeah. Oh, that's been done like five or six times. Yeah, right. It's been done so many times. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I think ever since Pirates of the Caribbean, he's kind of getting he he gets lost into the makeup and he becomes like, does all these kind of really eccentric kind of characters. So I think it's queer. I mean, I mean, hopefully he's not playing like a, a, a Chinaman or whatever. And, and China, China. China. Oh, but you China know, he's not, he's, I hope it's not like makeup where he's playing like this really odd looking thing or just, you know, what also off, you know, whatever. It, it, you know, I, I just I just like to see him just kind of do something a little more normal, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rich, I want to thank you for being on. Before you go, I want to ask you another question and then let you speak your piece about anything you have at your at your loins that you want to disclose. Um, where can people find watch this and visible scars and all this uh, all of your all of your films where can we where can we watch all these because i know you're on a lot of yeah, platforms I know. You're on instagram and twitter and you're all over the place right. um, i want to see this food for thought <laughs> these grapes um, check out these grapes they're adorable the, the grapes yeah these grapes um, you can peace 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 uh, you can watch uh, hug napper on funny or die um, it's on there just type hug napper. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and then for visible scars, uh, it's on Amazon. It's uh, I don't think it's in stores anymore, but um, cause, oh, you can still buy on DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon. It, you, I, I think it's on the. It's it is on, on Amazon. Uh, I verify. Okay. So you could still you could still watch it on that. And um, as for food for thought and uh, uh, food for thought, um, he, on YouTube it's on YouTube. It, watch it there. And um, for watch this, it's still in circulation right now, so it's not uh, not available at the moment. Right, still but, doing but rounds. When it, is, when it is, yeah, it's still making the rounds. Rich, you're such a great friend, man. I can't wait to see you again soon. And uh, right. I want to thank you so much uh, yeah, for being for on the show, on, man. man. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Please come back soon, and uh, good luck with you. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you soon, man. Thanks so much. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Cheers, man. See you, buddy. Rich Turk. That was cool, man. It was a good interview. He's um I I like his insight on on the arts. I feel like you know we can get very deep with him after you know knowing what kind of person he is because I had no clue what we were getting into here. Yeah, we just jumped. Didn't know if it was going to be Seinfeld or Marlon Brando, but we it you can, we just scratched the we could have a whole show on on just touching scratching the surface on different films and insights and touching. Touching genitalia and all kinds of stuff. 
<laughs> hug, hug napper. So what's going on, man? Well, if we want to do a real quick sports with John, I'm totally game. I could just uh, run down the standings here in the MLB. That's Major League Baseball. Koepka takes U.S. Open to capture first major. Brooks Koepka took home $2.16 million, the largest single-day earnings in golf, for winning the U.S. Open. I don't understand. How can the money be different year to year? He also extends the streak of first-time winners at majors to seven. Wow, there's hey. been no repeats in, like, almost two years. Or no You're double, about double major the winners. Huh? Oh, oh, oh! I made a terrible mistake. I'm sorry. What did you say? I said "Say by the Bell." I thought <laughs> you were going to... It was weird. A second dust time reference. I know. <laughs> sports of John, John, John. Yeah, I was just going to do a real quick sports of John, John. When you stepped up and went away, uh, had to check with the cat. Bottom six in Houston. Boston leads five to four. Mets topple the Nationals five to one. Rays beat the. Tigers, 9-1. Baltimore Jeez. scores 8 against Seattle's 5, or St. Louis's 5. Jeez, Cubs down the Pittsburgh Pirates, 7-1. Rockies win at home again versus the Giants. And the A's beat the Yankees in Oakland. I can't believe the Rockies. Right. Holy shit! That they're, they're for on real. fire. I'm really excited about it. Just, I just, you know, new team. And it's their time too. They've they've had their dues, and it's been a long time of being shitty. Yeah, it's time. Remember when they they kind of like were good that one in 2007? Yeah, yeah, they had a streak. They beat us. Yep, I remember that. I remember watching those games. Actually, I was at Uncle Jim's house. Jim Livesey watching oh, that game. Jim Livesey, beautiful rainbow. I think... Yes, Marilyn Levine, beautiful rainbow. Carlos Aurora Borealis. Roger Bibb. I think the... Uh, I don't know. I think I'm excited about it. I think... Uh, oh, and then they got swept in the World Series, that Rockies team, so... they they got to be hungry. But the Diamondbacks and Dodgers are only a game back each. So. Ugliest uniforms in the Diamondbacks. They're away uniforms. Oh, oh the, the dark... Even Jeff Assinger chimed in on that yesterday. It was it's oh, disgusting. Really? Oh, they're just like it's not even maroon or red. It's like something else. <laughs> it's like puke. It's, it's you know, just, it's like it's fucking puke. It's like blood I, red. I had some bad eggs and eight beers. What happened? You're cleaning it up. Is what happened? <laughs> Why are you asking other people to clean it up? And this Thursday. At 7 p.m., the NBA draft kicks off. Recent news, the Sixers complete trade with the Celtics oh, for the number one draft pick. It's all that, man. It's going to be wild. Dude, they are going to pick this kid. What the, the heck is his the name? Fultz? Foles? Folks? Fulton. Fulton? Fulton or something? It's like Fulton? Hold on. Fultz. Markel Fultz. Okay, right. Fultz. Have you... Dude, watch a real a house. Google uh, um, highlight film for him. He's insane, dude. He it's like a it's like, like a real. He looks like Iverson. He does all yeah, the it's crazy like a, behind the back, shoot him up. I saw it's up. like a real. You'd be like, this is the next Jordan or something, and you, you'd show this real, and you're like, oh my gosh, 
He's and, a work of art. And he's going to blend so well with the big men that we have on the team. I'm really He's going to gel like my razor. Fault. Yeah, Fault is, uh, that's had quite the, the, the reel on there. That's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm excited. I know, man. I'm Tipping really point. It just sucks that the season just ended. I know. Um, so that is uh, that is this Thursday, seven o'clock NBA 2017 draft. Baby Sixers got the number one pick, but there are still rumors that we could take that number one pick and another player and trade for some, you know, all star that's a free agent right now or about to be a free agent. So yeah, a team right. Can dump payload. Yeah, dump a load. And they're most likely going to give Joel Embiid a, uh, a substantial uh, raise. I like when they go to Avalon, the Sixers, for the uh, Sixers. Um, oh, yeah. What is that called? The uh, Their summer Sixers bash or something? Summer, yes. I don't know. I, I was there with Y100. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah. I, I want to go met, to one of those one year. That'd be fun. You went there? You I saw met, the Sixers at their Avalon? I met Kyle Korver there. Oh, sweet. Shook his giant hand. I you and I met uh, Mike Golick's daughter at uh, Jersey Shore one year. And we, she was like, we were at a pizza place, and she's like, you know, Mike Golick, the Eagles? Yeah, he's my dad. I'm like, it's great. I don't care about you. Is your dad here? Were you trying you to? Him? Were you trying to throw? No, I were there. I was with you. This, we, you and I were together ordering pizza. What? This is one of those trips I went with you to your family, with your family to Jersey Shore. We were like 12, and we were there talking about. And you had like an Eagles shirt on, and this girl goes, "Do you know Mike Golick?" Oh and yeah. And go, "Yeah, of course." And she goes, "That's my dad." Dude, I mean, she was, she probably wasn't lying because it was a weird reference. You would have said, like, Joe Montana's my right. dad if you lie. Yeah, so so I think she was telling the truth. And we were like, oh, that's, that's awesome. I'm looking at her picture on, on online. and I Wow, remember, you pulled that up quick, Mr. CIA. We were at Las Patas. Or, I mean, we were at uh, Las Patas. We were at Mac and Manco's on yes. the boardwalk. And yes, she was it, waiting yes, for a pizza, too. And just decided to start talking to us dudes, us fellers. Yeah, what was Lascadas? Lascadas. That's a great hoagie place down here. Ooh, Lascadas. Based out of uh, Chester. Better than that other one you go to, right? That they spell like hoagie wrong or something or cheesesteak. What's the other cheesesteak place you guys go to? Oh, um, Sonny's? Well, how, what's the full name of it, though? Yeah, it's like Sonny's Famous Cheesesteaks or something. But they spell cheesesteak wrong? Yeah, they do. It's yeah, really strange. Philadelphia. Yeah, firebomb it. <laughs> what? Molotov cocktail. Away. <laughs> but do you remember what I'm talking about, though? Mac and Mac goes, that, that chick. I'm looking at her right now. I remember her. It was Is she so hot? Funny. Um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> she looks like Mike Golick. Like, look, right. She's Mike Golick's daughter. And not like Golick's an ugly dude, but he's a giant man. Yeah. So that can go against a pretty girl. But no, I don't think she's, I think she's attractive. I would never and his say brother she's was ugly. on Saved by the never, Bell. Never yeah. say she's Bob Golick was on Saved by the Bell the college years. Yeah. <laughs> and those two are breaking up. It is official. It's 100% official. Mike and Mike are done. Sad. Really? Yeah, man. Oh. Uh, I think they're There's trying. There's been rumors of that. They're trying to make it to the end of the year, but um, that probably won't happen. Golick is going to do the same show he's been doing, but with... Trey Wingo and his son Mike Golick Jr. Oh, really? And 
and Greenberg's going to have a morning TV show on ESPN. So that that could be good. They're going to be on at the same time, but different shows, which means I'm sure they'll jump back and forth on each other's shows, and Greenberg will just be like the yeah. host of the morning on ESPN television. That makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if it's a money thing, if it's financial, you know. Greenberg. Contracts are running up, and we're going to do something different, and we're going to get a better deal kind of thing. Greenberg. Maybe. Greenberg went to higher-ups at ESPN and has been pushing for this for like a while. I want my okay. own morning show. I want to be on just TV, and I want to be on ESPN at 6 o'clock in the morning until 10 a.m., and I want to be the first guy that like everybody tunes into in the morning. And I'll okay. have people on. I have a thing. good rapport with all the players and all the other you know hosts. So it, he's like he just wanted it to be himself. Golik had nothing. Well, to he do does with have it. a good rapport. Yeah, it might. Do, it could be a money thing, but it could also be well. I have a great rapport. I'm going to do this in the short run, and then I'm going to get this much more famous and this much more accolades, and then I yeah. can cash in more. And, and it could be an ego thing too. Who knows? He is good though. He is a master of his craft. He is a craftsman. He is, and really uh, they, good. they do know their shit, man. And Mike too. And they know what they're doing, and I think they're going to, um, no matter what branch they split or two, it'll be a good outcome for the listener. They, I mean, no matter no matter how great they are together and really, really good they are together, what Greenberg is doing is, I think, the natural step uh, as, a, as a radio personality or whatever he wants to be. Whatever he is, he, you can't be... The next yes. Bob Costas. Yes. You can't be the next whoever else. No. You know, if you're a team, if you're Mike and Mike, yeah. you're not Mike Greenberg, and that's what he wants to be. And I, you can't like it's it's not the Howard yeah, Stern, Howard Robin Cosell. Clover's you're not going to do it. You know it right. He wants to be. Those not are like happy. his idols, and that's what he wants to be. So you, I don't know how inspired you inspire to who you want to be with. Yeah, like Green, I want to be you. All right, listen to uh, old podcast and say it's John the third thirty five until Jen comes in and tells me to stop. <laughs> I mean that's what? Who what, wait wait yeah no no yeah but no Michael. I uh I just think that uh Greenberg will be good and Golick will be good on their own, but they were just really great together. But yeah they'll, they'll both be fine I think. Uh quick rundown I think so too. Quick rundown in the standings, real quick. Ooh, please. Nationals, of course, on top in the east. The Milwaukee Brew Crew leading in the central still, two and a half over the Cubbies. My and third like, team. like we mentioned earlier, the Rockies have a one-game lead over the Diamondbacks and Dodgers, who have the exact same record. In the fake league, Baseball's best Astros, 46-23 on top in the I, West. I love that. this division. Unbelievable. They are so good. Indians on top, 36-31 and 31 <sighs> over the Twins in the Central. And the freaking New York Yankees have a half-game lead over the Red Sox in the East. <gasps> oh, Nat. They just lost, right? Yankees have actually lost six in a row. And... Uh, yeah, I think I, I said they lost earlier today. Yeah, they lost to Oakland. In Oakland. Yeah, that's what my 93-year-old grandfather told me. And that is Sports with John. Sports with John. 
I called my grandfather, my 93-year-old grandfather earlier in New Jersey, Stefano Pacini, and I was like, how you doing? He's like, yeah, he's, he's Italian, you know, stepfather's dad. Piccini. Piccini. Yankee uh, fan. Mateo. Yankees. Uh, they lost. No good. No good. And I was like, are you gambling today? And he's like, knuckle, playing some cards. And I was like, I hope you win money. He's like, 100 bucks. It was like, you're not kidding around. All right. Happy Father's Day to you. Wow. Uh, 93. Yeah. He's Corrado Soprano, basically. You're talking to Corrado Soprano. He's going to be placing bets. Junior. That's awesome. Junior. But, um, yeah, the, the, uh, but the Yankees, though, and, and, and no, not the Yankees, the uh, Dodgers, that division where they're, uh, you said a half a game up? They're a game back. The Dodgers Is, are a game back of the Rockies, and so are the Diamondbacks. Oh, they're back a game now. back. I know. And, yeah. then, and then the bottom half. They've been half, them for like, for like a month. Right, they've been chasing them. But the bottom half of that division, the Padres and Giants, are 17 and 19 oh. and a half games behind. They're so I bad. know, dude. I saw that the, the other suck. day. I saw the Padres, and I'm like, it's. I would love for that team to have a revitalization. They're just so bad. They're Well, they're just in a division with three other really good teams. Amazing teams. Glorious. Before we go tonight, i got to share this quick story when we, if we have time. It's just, a, just a quick thought, but I was talking to Jen the other night, and I remember the story. Brokeback Mountain came on, okay? Okay. And do you remember when Brokeback Mountain came out, and it was like the the biggest movie on earth at the time? Right. Well, my parents being the good people. men kiss. Right, and it was huge, and they're talking about it and this and that. Doesn't mean it's a great movie or not, but it was like all over the place. It was Ledger and uh, Gyllenhaal. Right. So my parents, being the good people that they are, invited Father Sean from St. Jude to see Brokeback Mountain with them because they didn't what? know what it was about. And they were like, ah, everyone's talking about it. You want to go? And the priest says, yeah, everyone's talking about it. Let's go check it out. So these three people had no idea what this movie was about. They just heard it's a cowboy movie and it's great ratings. Let's go to the movies. Oh my so they God. go to the movies with Father Sean of St. Jude. Oh, Kath, my Father God. Sean. My parents describe it as the most uncomfortable two hours of their life. And afterwards, as people are filing out of their seats into the thing, the priest stands up, turns around, and addresses the crowd and goes, That was disgusting. That was absolutely disgusting. That was disgusting. And he starts (laughs) admonishing the people in the audience. My parents put their heads down, and they weren't. Father Sean and them didn't see another movie anytime in the near future. <laughs> but I just thought of that. Jen goes, you have to tell this in the show. I thought, I'll just tell it. Whether it's funny or not, I don't know, but I gotta get this out of my system. They certainly most did not meet up for Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly most did not meet up for season one of Bruce Jenner's transformation. Magic Mike. Oh, hey, I have man. a buddy that did a sketch called Magic Mike Tyson. Check it out if you have time. Okay. I'll he looks like it. Mike Tyson, and he did the tattoo on his face. Oh, so nice. he shows up at a party stripping, but everyone's like throwing up because he's this fat Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I got to do that in my system. I know it's late there, man, but this was a great show. That was disgusting. <laughs> that was 
disgusting. That was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> that was disgusting. Big Phillies fan, Father Sean, too. Do you know him? You no, have, I don't you, remember Father Sean. I think he might have just moved away. I'm so obsessed he... with Father Gerlach and Father and Monsignor McCoy that I just ignored all the other ones. Gerlach for three. Gerlach yeah. for three. Yes. McCoy. McCoy was my favorite. Nikea. <laughs> That's like the Roman god Nikea of, of, of <laughs> athleticism. The Greek goddess but, of victory. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. You want to put tonight in the W column? Slice it. Twitter. Twitter. At the underscore podcastle. Thank you so much, for Richard Turk, for being on the program this evening. Yes. You can follow all the shows on the podcastle.podbean.com and available on your smartphone on iTunes. Please follow the man who's responsible for the stitchery. Of the Detroit Tigers app, Jonathan Asinger, to the man that's in charge of getting stitches tonight for gashing open his face, Matthew Clark, saying, Thank you so much for listening, and good night, everyone. And Godspeed. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.